Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. What up? Yo, yo. Hey. I realize every time you call me that I say yo. No, you don't. What do you say when I call you? You're like, oh, I almost screw it up. I always say yo, don't I? I picked up the other day and I'm like, every time yeah, I pick up, you I do. say yo. You're right. You're like, yo. You're always like, I hear you. Oh, but yeah, I do. I, do. I hear you, but. <laughs> as soon as Henley That's- starts parroting back, I hear you. I, it'll be when I have to let that statement oh, go. Oh, my gosh. I hear it's you. like such a coaching thing. It I is. hear you. But, well, when you say I hear you, I know you're going to disagree with me about something. Well, no, because I you're want validating you to... that. Uh, you, yeah, you're I validating you. that you hear my point of view. <laughs> however, you disagree. I hear you. I understand. I need to just come up. I need you know what I need to do. This is this is the coach. Me. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say everything that I could say besides I hear you. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> and then there's something else you say. And I'm trying to think of what it is. Gary's like on me about it because I do it now. It's one of your sayings. Anyway, <laughs> it'll come to you later. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about anxiety. Scans. Do you do you you don't get scans, right? Nope. Yeah. I asked about him and he was like, nope, we don't do them. Yeah. I Okay. So my, my first I, oncologist, yeah. I don't get scans either. And it's kind of docs are divided on whether or not they're necessary. Right. It really depends, I think, on your doctor and whether you had a local recurrence versus distant recurrence or uh-huh. two separate things, breast tissue versus none. So yep. if you have breast tissue, you're still getting scans. Yep. If you have none, you know, some people might suggest them. I'm certainly sure that I could have gotten scans because I had a tumor on my chest wall uh-huh. and they didn't actually get enough margin around it. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back in and have more surgery. They were like, oh, we'll just get it with radiation. I would think that that would be a high risk for recurrence right there. Uh So I could see why some women would want scans. Like, I want to catch that if that comes back. But for me, I find them very anxiety provoking. And I'm not going to go there. Outside Outside of cancer, did you ever have scans before that? No. So I had, this is maybe a side tangent story, but to so that I can speak to the fact of what I know scanxiety feels like, when I... Right before I got pregnant with my first daughter, I was having some really weird like menstrual issues and my OBGYN was like jumped straight to, oh no, first we did labs and my prolactin was high and then jumped straight to, we need to get a brain MRI. Oh yeah. Jumped straight to it. Prolactin was high, jumped straight to brain MRI. So I had that a brain. seems like quite a leap. Yeah. Because she goes, well, there might be a tumor on your pituitary. Oh my God. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was terrifying i had the mri that same day so i know exactly what it feels like to have this anxiety because then you also you have to wait for the report and you've got to wait to hear back from the doctor you got to like you get your family all hyped up on whatever whatever so i know i know what this feels like. yeah yeah, yeah. we all know we can all we all know whether we get scans or not what scan anxiety is uh-huh. because i i don't get scan anxiety because i don't get scans but i definitely get anxiety when i have to go back into the hospital mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about scan anxiety today we're going to talk about what it is we're going to talk about how it feels like i just described yeah uh, leading up to that scan right right and finally we're going to talk about some coping mechanisms 
problems. But before we jump into all that, let's hear from our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. All right, so we're back. So scan anxiety, um, it's pretty obvious, but it's basically feeling anxious about your scans, right? Yeah. Cancer scans. Which is a whole word, and I feel like some women hadn't heard of it. So it's scan anxiety. Right. <laughs> anxiety and scans together <laughs> gives you scan anxiety. So in preparation for this episode, we took a poll inside our private community asking patients when they first feel anxious about an upcoming scan. So basically the options were day of, week before, as soon as it's scheduled, or I don't get anxious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, do you have any guesses about? Oh my gosh. The minute it's scheduled, I bet. Nope. No? Only 14% felt like as soon as it was scheduled. Mm. We also had 14% that said that they don't get anxious. Oh, that's good. I know. 35% said a week before mm-hmm. and 35% said the day of. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the majority is a, the week leading up to mm-hmm. and then the day of. Yeah. I would imagine those are the people who can like compartmentalize. Like I'm not going to worry about this until the day of. Totally. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think if it was me, probably the the hardest part would be the waiting from the time that you get it until you hear from your doctor about how it was. So one of our survivors who is a metastatic patient, she said, I usually don't get anxious until after the scan, which is when I'm waiting for the results. And for those that are living with the disease, disease progression is obviously your biggest fear. And Mm so I could totally see how that Uh would be yeah for me i actually feel the most anxious like when i was going through cancer treatments and had to do the scans and stuff Mm -hmm. i always felt the most anxious when i was in the actual machine like once it was done i could kind of talk myself down yeah but yeah it it was interesting to hear from people kind of what they and and one of our survivors said i feel nervous about a week ahead then anxious the day of but she said blood work also makes me nervous Mm, blood work makes me nervous because you see you see the results sometimes before your doctor calls you oh we're gonna get to that yeah yep we're gonna (sighs) get to that so let's talk about kind of some of the symptoms of skin anxiety Mm -hmm. a lot of survivors report trouble sleeping overeating or having no appetite yep feeling stressed or jittery from like hormones and adrenaline yeah for me i don't know which one of these kind of pertains to you but like when i'm anxious about anything related to my cancer diagnosis i i wake up in the middle of the night yeah do you do that? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Or I dream about it. Oh, that's see, I don't, the worst. I don't usually dream about it. But I will literally be dead asleep and then wake up and then that's the first thought in my mind. Yeah. You know, so I think. A and lot then of, you spiral from there. You do. Just you do. The thought leads to another thought, leads to another thought, leads to another thought. And they're completely random, like ping pong ball. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when we talk about what what's causing the anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. It's It's multiple things. It's being back at the scene of the crime. I actually had lunch with one of our members not that long ago, and she said that she has never suffered from anxiety before getting cancer, which is something we hear often. I yeah. get it. Yeah. 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 And so she said that she went in for some routine blood work, and she was at the hospital. She parked. 
she felt fine. She said she felt totally fine. She had no reason to think anything was going to be different this time. And she walked into the hospital and all of a sudden she her heart started racing. She started having a little trouble breathing. She felt kind of faint. And she she her mom was with her. And she's like, Mom, like, I don't like what's I don't feel good. Like, I think mm-hmm. I'm sick. Well, she realized it was her anxiety. It was anxiety. Mm-hmm. It was nerves. And she's like, I have never felt that way before. And I said, I personally think the minute you step foot on the hospital campus where you got treatment, it just triggers. It's I mean, that's that's common with PTSD. It's the same as like hearing a noise that's like that. Mm-hmm might be a dog barking but you associate it with something else like yeah. it's i mean it's classic ptsd yeah yeah, yeah which is something that a lot of people mm-hmm. are suffering from but don't even recognize it yeah another one that i used to fear a lot is worry <clears throat> that somebody's going to say something that triggers anxiety or fear so you know people are well meaning but maybe you have a technician that says oh you know the you know, the person before you had this really bad result or, oh, you know, yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, just, oh, my. Oh, you're so young. Yeah. Or yeah. you're so young. And then you just feel like dog poo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like people say stuff not intending to set you off, but it's just like very yeah. anxiety provoking. Yeah. We talked about disease progression or disease recurrence. Yeah. Waiting to hear on the results. That's that's the one that gets me. Oh, my gosh. OK. Yeah. So I want to talk about that because the portal. Do you I have any feelings about the portal? Well, they're always pushing it on me and I never join the portal. I am not on it. Oh, really? No, I'm not on a single portal. Every time I go, though, I just actually, it wasn't even for me. I was taking my daughter to the pediatrician and she had to have some blood work done. And they're like, are you on the portal? I'm like, I'm not. And they're like, get on the portal. That way you don't have to have us call you. And I'm like, no, I'm like, you can call me with the results. I'm not getting on the portal. Yeah. You know, I I hate the portal. I mean, it 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 greatly depends. Well, I feel like I have to be on the portal because I like missed a couple medical bills that they only sent through the portal. Again, that's on them. It, I mean, it's on them, but it's super annoying. I okay, it, medical. They, it medical feels like bills, they're driving you to have, medical, to have to be on the portal. They are. They are. They're yeah. driving you to doing it so that they don't have yeah. to pick up the phone and tell you these things. But here's the problem, and it happens every day. Every day we have a survivor who spirals out because they see their results. Their doctor's on vacation or they're busy. Mm-hmm. They haven't called them yet. They're they're getting the results before the doctor calls. Then they're posting it to social and saying, uh-huh. "What does this mean?" Mm-hmm. Everybody's jumping on with their opinion. Mm-hmm. They go and into they're, get, they're getting social media medical. It's such a bad situation. I yeah. think the portal is a bad decision. That's, yeah, that's just me. If you're talking about people's emotional well being, yeah, do not deliver bad news on the internet. I just wonder. I mean, these or these any portals news. are so high tech. How can they not just say? Tell the doctor you have new labs to review and they don't post it to the the patient's portal until they review it. That would be smart. I mean, like your results are just, in. Call your just, doctor. And- if it's totally normal, they just send you, hey, results are normal. You're fine. Or, oh. And then post it or they call you if it's not normal and then then they post it. Like right. being the first one to see it just feels. No, this is a perfect example. This is in the context of quality of life. They don't care. Mm hmm. They're not thinking about the patient's yeah. emotional well-being when they deliver the news via a portal. So the the last visit I had with my oncologist before I switched to the oncologist I have now, it was very, oh my gosh, it hits almost every single one of these. Return to the scene of a crime. I didn't have a lot of anxiety, but I had anxiety because I was meeting a new oncologist. Second one, I wasn't even getting a scan. Worry that they're going to say something that triggers you. He said in my appointment, this is going to come back and it's going to kill you. Uh-uh. He literally said that. And then, and then... At the end of it, he's like, let's run a couple labs, which, okay, fine. Needles don't bother me. I don't care getting labs. I got on the portal. He had ran a lab. He didn't tell me he was going to run, which was like a tumor marker. He told me he was going to check my liver enzymes. 
And then I saw it before anyone ever called me. Yeah. And then no one called me. Not okay. So I sent a very, very not nicely worded message through the portal and I was like, not okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's not okay. I mean, it, it hits every single one of the anxiety markers. Sarah, like they are not focused on your mental health when you look at the portal, which is the problem. So rude. If you're listening <laughs> to this and you love the portal, you give us a sh- call us. No, send, a, send us a voicemail. Send, send us a voicemail and tell us. But I, in my opinion, think the portal does nothing good for you. Yeah. That's just me. So <laughs> before we jump into asking for scans when the doctor hasn't suggested it, because we have a lot of women that do that. Yeah. Let's do boobs in the news. Let's do it. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. All right. Uh, You're going to like this one. Oh, good. All right. Ready for the title? Yes. Emotional Support Alligator. Stop. Cools off at Philadelphia's Love Park. Yeah. Emotional Support Animal is an alligator. And I have very strong feelings about this. So, <laughs> but this, okay, this is what they say. His name's Wally. Look at Wally. Wally the alligator. Uh-huh. Oh my, he got, he has a leash on oh, and yeah. a, like a body harness. Uh-huh. But he, his mouth is unrestrained. Let's just say that, right? Yeah. Like, so it says the reptile isn't a wild beast. It's an emotional support animal of a Philadelphia man who runs several social media accounts documenting his loving relationship with Wally the alligator. Well, he's a super cuddly. Uh-huh. He said he acquired Wally six years ago. Um, he's a longtime reptile rescuer who's worked with alligators for 30 years. And there's an overabundance of gators in Florida. That's not a surprise, right? And so normally in Florida, like the nuisance alligators must either be like euthanized or transferred into captivity. Mm-hmm. So Wally was removed from like a lagoon in Florida. And so he as got a baby, a, I would as imagine. As a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's been living with them ever since. And now he's considered a emotional support animal. So let So me, he can walk this alligator into public? He is allowed to. And that is my that is my issue with emotional support animals, is that legally you can have any animal be an emotional support animal. So what happens if that alligator gets off of his leash and then eats a child? Oh, okay. So that's my point because Let's point to Siegfried and Roy with their tigers who wouldn't hurt a fly, right? Mm-hmm. Basically mauled them half to death. Or how about all those chimpanzees and monkeys that people like to say, mm-hmm. oh, they're just so There's loving. There's a lot of liability And then with they this. rip somebody's face off and it's yeah. like, I never saw this coming. So this guy is allowed to have an emotional support animal named Wally. Okay, but this is what he says about it. He says, Wally has been quite different than any alligator I've dealt with in the past 30 years. He doesn't show anger or aggression and he hasn't since the day he was caught. He's lovable. He sleeps with me. He steals my pillows. He steals my blankets. Stop. This is so frightening. <laughs> he's just awesome. Okay. I am going to go on the record of saying... Until he's hungry. Yeah. Until you accidentally forget to uh-huh. feed him a snack. Uh-huh. So the man that owns this is a boob, and the state that allows this... <laughs> is this also, Florida? Also a boob. Mm-hmm. Florida? Uh, yeah. I mean, he came out of Florida. I'm assu- oh, no. Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. It said Philadelphia. Philadelphia is okay with Wait, having... does Philadelphia have a climate for an alligator? Because don't they usually like pretty tropical? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. He's got an Instagram account. He says people come up as soon as they see him and want to get a hug and a photo with him. I'm like... Oh, that's so scary. So dumb. I would walk very much the other way. So Bir- like birds I get, dogs I get because those are normal pets. But like... Mm-mm. An alligator? That is absolutely terrifying. I mean, anything that's wild 
Yeah. Should not be an emotional support animal. No. So shame on the guy that's doing this because yeah. it's going to turn on him and also the state of Philadelphia for allowing it. That's yeah. There's your boobs. I have very strong feelings on this one. Clearly. Uh, <laughs> boobs. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Let's talk about women who ask for scans when their doctor hasn't suggested them because this happens a lot. And mm-hmm. you know who I see doing it? Hmm. Nurses. Nurses. You think? Yeah, we've had we've had three or four nurses in our program mm-hmm. who ask specifically for brain MRIs. And then what happens is they get an inconclusive Result. Result. Yeah. They see a spot, which Mm -hmm. MRIs are notorious for. Mm -hmm. And then they have to sit and wait for six months to see if it grows into anything or if it's just like a birthmark or like unique to you. That's terribly, terribly exhausting. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And so I I am always kind of when somebody says, I'm just going to ask my doctor for a scan. I want the reassurance everything's okay. I'm always a little bit, we don't advise them. We say, yeah. hey, we're here to support you. Mm-hmm. But, uh-uh. It does, yeah. And more often than you know, not, but it's, it's nothing. But I, I kind of get it because when I, when when my first oncologist told me, I said, well, do we do scans every year? Because the people that I had followed on Facebook or my friends, you know, were getting scans once a year. And I was like, oh, I like that they get that once a year. Like, you know, it's like getting your teeth cleaned you know oh my teeth are good and I don't have any cavities and you get that like reassurance once a year obviously now that I've talked to more people and seen and talked to had different oncologists and and my oncologist answer who was like you know something will show up on most scans and he's like it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be cancer and what's the point of going through that I mean I have oh I get that Mm -hmm. I have a friend who's an oncologist and she told me early on she's like MRIs will show a lot. And she's like, especially because you're in Missouri, because there's a spore in the air that causes lung scarring. Mm -hmm. So like lots of patients have lung scarring for a normal patient. We don't even think twice about it when Mm -hmm. we see it. But when you become a cancer patient, now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden everything could be something. Mm -hmm. And now they're obligated, right, to tell you and to follow it and blah, blah, blah. So her recommendation was that I not receive scans. And again, it depends on your situation and what you feel comfortable with. And if it gives you that peace of mind. That peace of mind to have that scan once a year, even though it's anxiety provoking up until that point, then uh-huh. do it. Yeah. Do it. But for me, it's like, mm-mm. Yeah. You know? Same. I'm not doing it. Same. You yeah. Know? And it's not burying my head in the sand. Like, you're a very in-the-know kind of person. You like all the information, but you just got to know kind of where your head is. So we Well, have- and, and I ask myself the question, and I would ask most, I guess, anybody this question, is getting the scan give you enough peace of mind to outweigh the anxiety of the scan Mm -hmm. because if every year you have massive amounts of anxiety around this finding out this one piece of information that cascade of the hormones and the stress and your body's response to it could be just as detrimental than just trying to live on faith I mean, I think that's going to be super controversial for some people, but I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I just, I prioritize my mental health when it comes to anything related to my cancer diagnosis. It's like, but I also live in that space of you take care of yourself, you do the best you can with what you got. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's always a faith thing for me. Mm -hmm. When it's your time, it's your time. Mm -hmm. Good luck telling God it's not going to happen. Yeah. So for me, it's like, you know, you do what you can. Yeah. And then you let it go. Yeah. Because there, but, you is, know, I there guess is nothing you can do to stop that. If you are the person, and this isn't like, oh my gosh, you're one way or the other, you're right or wrong. But if you are the person that gets peace from those scans, mm-hmm. 
do it, then absolutely do it. Do it. Yeah. 100% do it. Because it. It, it would take away the anxiety having the anxiety year round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, I, I again, that. that goes yeah. back to like your individualized choice. Like if this helps you mentally, yeah. do it. Do it. Yeah. But for me personally, it hinders not, my mental health. Yep. It doesn't do anything for me. And yep. I I do much better the further away from hospitals and visits that I can get. <laughs> yeah. So that's just that's just me. You do what you need to do. Yes. I go in there if I have to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but some people, I mean, it does give them a sense of control and I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. So let's talk about like coping mechanisms, what yeah. men and women do to try to manage their anxiety. So we're talking specifically about scans, but I mean... Quite honestly, these coping mechanisms could be for anything. Oh, of stress course. invoking. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But like in the context of scans, there were things that survivors that the community does specifically that yeah. maybe you haven't thought of. So, mm-hmm. for example, scheduling your scan for first thing in the morning. Yes. I have done not that with scans, but doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. Like rather than have a doctor's appointment at 3.30 in the afternoon uh-huh. or 4 in the afternoon, I will push out my doctor's appointment to get in at 8 a.m. when they open. Yep, yep. Not only because it lessens my anxiety to get it done with, but also because then you don't have to wait when they get behind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. That's a two for And another, like, what would be good if you are that person who before said that they feel most of their anxiety the day of and the waiting on the results. I have told women that I've mentored, like, schedule it in the morning and then go do something like self-care for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. Go get a massage or... Go get your nails done. Something where or go to yoga if movement is your thing. Like just and, and also positive self-talk, right? Like mm-hmm. I just went into a very stressful situation. Mm-hmm. I just did this scan despite being fearful. You're a freaking rock star. Yeah. Way to handle the stress. Yeah. And then like you said, go reward yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, nothing yeah. wrong with that, people. Taking somebody with you that's supportive you know, reduces anxiety for a lot of people. Some people like to go alone, but a lot of times it's just like easier for them if they have somebody by their side. I brought I brought my support animal, aka some of my friends for most of I I, I love that you just called your friends your support animal. I know. I mean, they would know it too, but I did not. Did you hate having your drains taken out? No. Oh, I did. I know you freaked out about I it. I did. My first out of one, everything my first one was easy peasy, but I mean, how many drains have I had taken out? I've had four eight, nine. I've had nine drains taken out. And the first one was easy peasy. The second one, I literally jumped off the table. So after <laughs> that, I took somebody with me just just to like witness what? it <laughs> or just be there or like, I don't Did know. Did you want them to give you kudos for being a badass? Yes. Yeah. Like, look I'm going to need you to get out your pom poms right after and go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to each their own. I mean, totally. I, I didn't have any issues with the drains, but like I've talked about this in previous episodes. When I first got diagnosed, I tried to go to my appointments by myself. Like I told my husband he wasn't allowed to come because I wasn't going to give cancer, you know, any control over my life. Yeah. And, da, da, da. and then I realized you're an idiot. Like you're spiraling emotionally, even if you're not telling anybody you yeah. need somebody there. Yeah. So totally. I like having somebody there yeah um calling the doctor's office for results versus reading in the portal yeah Um, we've already we talked talked about about that that. i mean you do you do you yeah but just realize that you get into that portal and then your doctor's not you know they're on vacation inevitably or they're super slammed and you're not going to necessarily hear although i would encourage you (laughs) my doctors and nurses are going to hate me but just harass them until they give you the results that's their job yeah. If you're spiraling, you're reading something that scares you, call that office. If you're in a good system, I feel like they should call you back pretty quickly. I mean, yeah. But yeah. if they don't, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Oh, yeah. You you call them and, and I'll tell you a, what. That's a job. I'll call them on the hour every hour. It's me again. <sighs> you would. 
I know I would. And then we have so meditation, breath work is always oh. things we talk about in terms of coping mechanisms. Could literally talk about that all day long. Yeah, but we have a really neat partnership with the Missouri Botanical Garden. The Missouri Botanical Garden was so wonderful. They provided planters for our respite house mm-hmm. that was a sensory garden, and then they also provided us a library of meditation walks through mm-hmm. their gardens. And what you can do is if you're part of our online private community, when you have a scan, you can go into that course and just listen and, and watch. listen and yeah. watch on your phone. So like what I would do is I would bring my phone with my headset. Don't mm-hmm. be that annoying person that watches videos out loud in your doctor's office. Bring your headset, plug it in and and do a garden walk right before you go in. I think it'll really soothe you. So thank you to them for providing that. Because yeah. I think it's just being we've talked about the healing components of nature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So these are all. And com- even better yet, if you're in St. Louis, just go to the garden. Oh, my gosh. They have the have- best cancer. Have program your scan and then go take a oh a no this is a, this yeah. is a shout out to them they have a cancer program mm-hmm. so basically if you're a cancer survivor you can sign up for this walk it's and they give journey. this healing yeah. journey walk in their garden and they give you tickets and you can come mm-hmm. like four times i think mm-hmm. and you can walk these different gardens as a part of your holistic healing yeah, so if really you cool. want to check that out call them ask them how to get tapped into that mm-hmm. and take advantage of it because it's something that they do for the cancer community so yep. before we close out the episode though let's hear from our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit innsbruck-resort.com. All right. So what do we want people to know today? I mean, it's just basically validation, right? We we get how scary it is to go back into the clinical setting. We understand. There's things that you can do. There's things you can do. There's things that you can't control. And it's just really about knowing yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And doing what what fits you best and what's in your best interest in terms of your mental mm-hmm. health. And just know no matter what you decide or how you handle it, that we're here for you. We get for you. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Till next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Leave us a voicemail or share your own experience on bestieswithbreastiespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a five star review. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. 